Chilson Motors with Gene Chilson, our sponsors of our Wax Farm Show podcast. At Chilson's Corner Motors of Cadott and Chilson Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram, we have an excellent selection of certified pre-owned Ram models to choose from. Purchase a certified Ram and receive our seven-year, 100,000-mile warranty and its factory-backed coverage from Ram. A certified Ram offers a great deal of confidence and peace of mind with a seven-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And we now have a great selection in stock and ready for immediate delivery. And ready to get those farm chores done. Absolutely. To see all the models, call, click, or visit Chilson's Corner Motors of Cadott on the corner of Highway 27 and X or Chilson Chrysler Dodge on Business Highway 53 or visit us on the web at chilson.com. And remember, let our family take care of your family. Hey, did you know Bluff Country is located in Mondovi? And it's your locally owned hometown feed and seed supplier. Whether it's your pet or your business, they have the products and service that you need. They even offer agronomy services from seed to fertilizers and chemicals and even feed and forage sampling. Bluff Country Feed and Seed is your hometown feed and seed supplier. To learn more about Bluff Country, check out their website at bluffcountryfs.com. It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. Wednesday morning here at Wax 104.5 here at the shank of the day as we have beautiful weather. Wouldn't you rather be here than Florida? Yeah, I think so, because Florida is getting ready to get hit. Cuba's already been hit and then knocking out power all over that island. And uh, this hurricane is uh, not something to mess around with. So if you're going to Florida and planning to go soon, maybe you better wait a while because it's nasty down there. Going to get nasty, I should say. Around here, more beautiful weather to get the crops in, get the uh, corn chopped. And I don't know if you got a little uh, little grass hay down. You want to put that up? Probably not too bad. Not the best drying weather, but uh, there's no rain in this forecast for probably about another week and it's even going to start warming up a little bit over the weekend we'll probably be in the low 70s right now we're in the low 30s and uh, a lot of people are below that hayward's 27 phillips black river falls down to 26 this morning so uh, it's cool out there but it's uh, gonna be a nice day and we'll continue on taking a look at chores the drive this morning included fog bad? fog and frost Fog and frost. Was it bad? How not much frost around the pumpkin, was there? I had frost on my grass, and I could see it on the roof of the garage. All right, so it's out there. If you left your plants out in some places, uh, they're gone. But otherwise, uh, not going to be too bad tonight. It's not going to freeze. 37 around here. We'll talk more about the weather and a whole lot of other stuff. We've uh, downloaded uh, the letter from Foremost Farms that uh, they have sent to all their patrons and employees having to do with those plant closures, and it also covers some deductions in milk checks for Foremost Farms, and I'm sure other cooperatives are dealing with the same issues, but right now, Foremost Farms is in the spotlight because of their announcement that they're going to close the Milan and Plover dairy plants at the end of the year, impacting more than 100 employees. We talked about that yesterday, but uh, we'll share some of that letter that we uh, have downloaded. It's on the website. You can get it. It's not anything secret. They're not trying to, uh, you know, pull a fast one, so to speak. It's out there, and they're letting everybody know what's going on. We'll just uh, share that with you if you haven't seen it already. But, again, we've got uh, a lot of things to talk about this morning. Also, more food aid because it's uh, getting tough around the world with what's going on with the supply chain and uh, crazy man Putin and Ukraine, what he's doing as far as exports, which are still sneaking out of some of those ports, although he has hit Odessa with some drones and uh, really caused some problems. And boy, oh boy, I tell you, he's drafting guys and they're trying to get out of the country as fast as they can rather than serve in the Russian military. And like one guy said, I don't want to shoot my neighbors and friends. He said, that's that's not the way of it. So, uh, again, lots of things going on. Livestock industry, trying to build that uh, another new plant to kind of offset the, the reach of the big four or five. And we'll talk about that, too. 
calendar. We got a few things going on in the calendar. Uh, mostly into next week. We've got one thing for this week on Friday. Eau Claire is hosting their Farmers Union annual meeting. All right. Eau Claire County. And that will be Friday right. evening. And it's a good Friday night for football. There's going to be no rain. That'll be a unique situation for this season. Boy, it will be. But if you're a member of the Eau Claire Farmers Union, your annual meeting is going to be this Friday night. We'll tell you more about the time and location as we go along. But again... Weather, I think you're going to like it. It's pretty nice out there. It's a little cool this morning, but, uh, boy, it's a pretty nice forecast for getting some things done. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, I got the convertible out yesterday. It looked like it was so nice and sunny, but the breeze was blowing. It was a little bit nippy, so I went around the block and put her back in the garage. But again, with this breeze blowing, uh, you don't have to worry about mosquitoes or bugs. They're not out there. But it was windy yesterday. Today, partly sunny. High probably won't get out of the 50s, about 58, down to 37 tonight. And then again, partly cloudy to partly sunny all the way out through it looks like next Tuesday or Wednesday. Temperature is going to be in the 60s, low 70s. As I said, football on Friday night. Shouldn't have to take your poncho this week. That'll be a good thing because Friday, partly cloudy, partly sunny. High about 66. Football games, college on Saturday, about 70, 71. Sunday, the Packers are at home. That should be a nice day, too. So, again, it's going to be a dandy spread of weather here around our part of the country. So, get up and get out and enjoy it. And, again, if you're chopping corn doing anything, do it safely. Farm safety first. This is 104.5 FM WAXX. So, Claire, about some news. NBC News Radio, I'm Mark Mayfield. Hurricane Ian is closing in on the Florida Gulf Coast, threatening to unleash life-threatening storm surge, catastrophic winds, and flooding, according to the latest bulletin from the National Hurricane Center. At 2 a.m. Eastern Time, Ian was about 95 miles southwest of Naples, Florida, with maximum sustained winds of 125 miles an hour. A hurricane warning is out for a 200-mile stretch of the Gulf Coast, including Tampa Bay, which is also under a storm surge warning. While most people hope to stay out of the path of a hurricane, some charge straight at it. Captain Davis White is a meteorologist with the Hurricane Hunters out of Mississippi's Keesler Air Force Base. So the mission for us is to uh, gather recon data in the belly of the beast. There's certain things about these storms and different weather phenomena that we can only get if we fly through it. The 53rd Weather Reconnaissance Squadron flies specially outfitted aircraft into the eye of the storm. Information they've collected from Hurricane Ian is then passed along to the National Weather Service. Forecasters say Hurricane Ian could dump rain on Florida for days after it makes landfall. The storm is expected to slow to a crawl once it comes on shore, pouring out as much as 2 feet of rainfall in some areas. Some parts of the Gulf Coast can expect 8 to 12 feet of storm surge. The Senate is voting to advance funding the government through mid-December as a Friday deadline looms to avoid a shutdown. Brian Shook reports. The stopgap bill would keep the government running until December 16th with additional aid for Ukraine. The deadline to pass the measure is Friday at midnight. I'm Brian Shook. And at least one student is dead and multiple others injured following a drive-by shooting near a high school in Philadelphia. Cops say it happened Tuesday when football players at Roxborough High School were walking off the football field after a scrimmage. They were ambushed by at least two shooters. A 14-year-old boy succumbed to his injuries after he was rushed to a local hospital. Reports say at least four other students were wounded. The suspects fled the scene. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, let's check our weather. And I know a lot of people around here have uh, condos and homes, winter homes in Florida down in Naples and Fort Myers. And I know they're nervous about that, and rightly so. That's a serious situation down there, as you just heard. But if you're hanging around here, which I would advise you to do for a while before you get down there and check your property, you're going to enjoy this. Partly sunny, upper 50s, down to about uh, 37 overnight. And then 60s to low 70s for about Thursday through probably next Wednesday. Partly cloudy to partly sunny conditions. It's going to be beautiful around here. Phillips, Black River Falls, cooler, 26. Hayward's 27. Medford's 28. Rice Lake, 31. Marshfield also 31. Wausau, 36. 38 in La Crosse. Green Bay, 41. It's 40 in Madison, Sun Prairie. 
48 in Milwaukee this morning, and a uh, rather cool 33 degrees here in the Chippewa Valley. Farm markets are brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. All business owners want the same thing, to make their business succeed. At Rural Mutual, they help that happen. As the third largest writer of commercial business in Wisconsin, they take the time to learn your business so they can properly protect you. Call your local agent today or visit RuralMutual.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Keeping it rural. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And let's get to those markets brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance this morning. And uh, let's go to the livestock, cash livestock first, Jill. Choice fed beef steers are 138 to 159 with mixed at 90 to 137. Choice fed beef heifers are 136 to 155 with mixed at 80 to 135. Choice fed Holstein steers are 132 to 138 with select and silage fed steers 85 to 130. Cows are 63 to 110. Bulls are 70 to 107. Butcher hogs are 75 to 90, sows are 58 and down, boars are 22 to 26, shorn lambs are a dollar to a dollar 15, unshorn lambs are 95 to 105, feeder lambs are 50 cents to two dollars, ewes are 75 to 105, small goats are 10 to 135 dollars, medium goats are 100 to 250 dollars, large goats are 145 to 500 dollars, and nanny goats are 20 to 245 dollars. And taking a look at livestock futures, uh, down across the board, the only higher month was October live cattle closing at 143.57. That was up a dime. And then we went lower. December cattle 146.90 down 45. February and April both down 60 cents. February 150.85. April 154.52. Feeder cattle for October 176.12 down 95. November 176.27 down 77. January feeders 176.80. That was down 92 in March. 179.12 down a dollar. Lean hog carcass contracts, October 88.70 down 167. December hog 76.25 down 315. February at 80.35 down 330. And April at 86.60 down 260. Board of Trade, that's a nervous market as these uh, interest rates have the traders nervous. Uh, the strength of the dollar. The progress of the harvest, uh, it's nervous. And overnight, markets, for the most part, were lower. December corn down four cents overnight, 663 a bushel. The oats actually up to at 372. December wheat down a fraction, 871. Soybeans for November down nine cents, taking beans down below $14, sitting at 1398 this morning. Soybean meal down 230 a ton at $411.30. Dairy markets, barrel cheese down a half a cent, 217. Blocks down a quarter at $2.75 a pound. Butter up two and a quarter, up to 315 and a half. September class three up one at 1988. October class three back over $21, 2129. That was up 47 cents. November up 20 at 2050. December up 12 at 2029. And January up 15 at 2023. And that's the way the markets look this morning on a day. Where we should see some sun. Maybe we can gather a few solar credits. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. We're getting late in the season now as far as the crops are concerned. We're going to catch up on what's going on, especially in central Wisconsin this morning, on our Provision Partners Co-op program. And Jake Reith is with us. Jake, the agronomist at the Auburndale facility for Provision Partners. And uh, Jake, have you been out walking some fields, or are you afraid to do that so you don't get run over by a chopper? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, the choppers are starting to get rolling out in the field here at this time of year, so you got to be looking both ways when you're out there. <laughs> so what are you seeing as far as, uh, I know you are out doing some crop scouting for the guys, what are you seeing as far as uh, end of the season challenges maybe or successes? What's going on out there? Yeah, so one thing is that Provision Partners as a team we're kind of doing at this time of the year is going out and doing some late-season crop scouting. Uh, kind of broken up into three different things, hybrid selection, crop diseases, and evaluating that crop from the crop protection program. Uh, on that hybrid selection, it's pretty much what it sounds like, going out, taking a look at the yields, comparing 
uh, different plants and hybrids. Uh, we're also out there digging up some roots and evaluating some stocks, check standability and whatnot. Overall, as far as uh, the hybrid selection, what have you seen as far as standability? And I know we've had tar spot last year was a big problem. Sometimes we get this time of the year, standability is a problem. Is that an issue so far this year? Have you seen any? You know, at this point this year, I think we've had very good weather conditions. We have not been seeing too much standability issues or insect pressure coming in. Uh, we've been we've been very fortunate on that side of things. What about diseases? That's always a challenge out there, and <laughs> it seems like every year something comes up we really didn't expect. But uh, what are you seeing this year? Just like you hit on before on the tar spot, we've been noticing some of that in the cornfields here this year. Uh, came in a little late. I don't know if we'll have an overall effect on, on yield, but we might see a little bit of lighter test weights this year, so that's something that the producer needs to be aware of. Uh, depending on when that affection occurred is pretty much when it's going to be the effect of the, the results. On soybean side of things, if you can remember, that month of August has been very damp with moderate temperatures, perfect environment for white mold to to take off and explode. So we've been seeing some patches of some white mold out in some soybean fields here and there. Um, you know, so that's giving us the opportunity to make uh, the, the decision for the farmer and help them make their decision on hybrid selection. Um, some hybrids are more resistant to the diseases than others, along with, you know, management. Um, do they need to adjust row spacing or population? Or should they be applying fungicide if they haven't been already, which has proven that it can reduce uh, the effects of diseases significantly. What have we seen as far as application of uh, fungicides, herbicides? Have we done it right this year, and is it all working? Yeah, the one thing with the fungicide side of things is, uh, is that timing, you know, getting it out there at that perfect time before that disease hits. Um, so if you're seeing your disease pressure already, you're already behind the game. So uh, it's all about that timing, and I think in central Wisconsin we did hit that timing pretty good. Uh, we were out there well in advance. I think we got us through a good window of that, uh, that pollination and uh, the grain field development. Now it's just kind of closing the, the yearbook here. What kind of disease pressure did we see over in central Wisconsin in your territory this year, uh, Jake? Because we've seen some weeds come in that we just don't like and that sometimes they can be resistant yep yep so that's the kind of our third thing that we're looking for uh we're evaluating our crop protection program uh walk and field taking a look to see if we have any late season grasses and broadleaf weeds that are coming through and then making those corrections uh for this next coming year so we can have a clean field uh we have been noticing a lot with water hemp which is a roundup resistant weed um, so, you know, getting out there early with your residuals and getting the correct chemistry out there to ensure that you have a clean fields for these next year, making them recommendations. And now is the time to be making these decisions because these products, availability and price, they're an issue. Yes, availability is one thing, so you definitely got to get it out there ahead of the game. All right, so get it going. And uh, corn silage, full speed ahead with this weather and the crop. Yes, uh, the weather forecast is looking very good. Uh, it's rain staying out of the forecast for the most part. Um, so, yes, that is like the number one question that I have been getting from my dairy producers right now, and that's, uh, is my corn silage ready to go? And so as a team here, we've been helping with some silage burndowns to get the moisture level for the uh, producer here so that can give them the comfort level that when they're out there chopping, they're, they're harvesting that crop at the right moisture, and they're going to have the best quality feed for their cattle. And again, that's uh, Jake Reith. Thanks, Jake, for being with us this morning. Jake, an agronomist over in the Auburndale area. They did have a burn-down day yesterday, so hopefully you got some samples in there so you know where you're at for the structure that uh, you're working with. Auburndale facility, Jake Reith with us on a Provision Partners program. 16 minutes after 5, we've got some farm news to look at, and then we're going to talk about apples coming up. Busy morning at Wax as we look at some farm news. Brought to you by Chili Implement in Chile. Weak machines make strong headaches. The solution, the Vermeer 605N Baylor. This Baylor is big on durability and toughness with heavy-duty components, plus smart features like the available automatic pickup clutch and auto-lube greasing system, helping extend the life of the machine. 
for toughness. Meeting performance, you want the Vermeer 605N baler for tighter, denser, more uniform bales from start to finish. See the Vermeer 605N baler at Chili Implement in Chile, just west of Marshfield on 8th, then south on Y. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And Chili Implement bring us a look at some of our farm news. Joe, what's going on? More than 100 farm-related groups have sent a letter to leaders in the U.S. Senate to get moving on approval votes for key nominees for the U.S. Trade Ambassador's Office as well as the USDA. They want Doug McCallop approved as to be our chief ag negotiator and Alexis Taylor to be voted as the Undersecretary of Agriculture for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs. Both have already gotten overwhelming approval from the Senate committees vetting the two candidates. And let's take a look at our, look at our livestock industry. The livestock industry continues to try to put more processing capacity online across the country, but it's not easy. One large processing facility proposed by the Western Legacy Development Corporation is having a hard time finding a place to build. They want to build a plant that would process 8,000 head of cattle a day and cost just over $1 billion to build. The two places they thought were possibilities, Rapid City, South Dakota or Cheyenne, Wyoming, don't seem to want the plant. Rapid City officials say the proposed site there isn't big enough to handle a plant that size, while Cheyenne city leaders say they can't meet the water needs of the facility that big. Company officials say they are now looking at other options, but say they are determined to build that plant. Lots of pressure to get more production online. And foremost farms, we mentioned yesterday that they sent a letter out and notified employees at their Milan and Plover facilities that they are going to be closing down those facilities by the end of the year, and uh, they say they're going to start with the September milk payments to compensate for market adjustments. The cooperative said the decision to implement market adjustments is based on several inflationary costs that impact the cooperative, including record high labor costs at manufacturing facilities due to labor shortages, higher costs of new materials to convert milk into finished products, energy, packaging, things like that, and a significant difference between Class three milk costs and the revenue generated from cheese and whey-produced sales. Altogether, the bottom line is, for member, owners, patrons, the bottom line is the market adjustment equals a deduction of 90 cents a hundredweight that will be subtracted from foremost farms members' milk payments for the remainder of the year, starting with their September milk checks. And we're going to talk apples next, right here on Wax. The first voice of agriculture in Wisconsin for over 35 years. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Went out into the apple orchards the other day, out to Ferguson's Orchard, outside of Eau Claire. Talked to Andy Ferguson about this year's apple crop as we uh, sat and enjoyed a a beautiful day under the apple trees. And I asked Andy, how how good is the crop this year? What are you seeing? You can see on the trees behind me here, we have a really good crop right now. A lot of apples, and they're just starting to come into ripeness. So we're, we've started harvest officially. Uh, this year was, at the beginning of the year, uh, we were a little kind of nervous because even though it was a later spring, so we didn't have to worry about the spring freeze as much, um, it just, everything seemed a lot later than usual, um, and also it was pretty dry. But luckily we do irrigate most of our younger trees, which are the ones that would need it. Um, and then apples have kind of a miraculous way of catching back up over the summer. So now we're really less than a week behind where we typically would be. Uh, so same apples, same quantity, just a little bit later than usual. Challenges with insects or bugs or any diseases this year? No, uh, that's one thing that the drought really seems to help us with. Um, less pressure kind of all around as far as uh, bacteria, fungi, and, and insects. But um, everything's looking good. We are also big pumpkin growers. I'd say th- those felt the the drought in the late spring, late early summer, um, kind of more than the apples even. So we have a good crop of those too. But, you know, pumpkins are one thing you don't want to be late because there's such a short window where they're in. But luckily they'll be just in time. 
What's going on with the industry in Wisconsin, Andy? Are we uh, are we losing orchards? Are we gaining a few more than just say hobby growers? I think we're seeing more consolidation in both the bigger orchards and the small orchards. So kind of the middle, the middle sized ones are having to either decide if they want to get bigger in order to survive or kind of just stay smaller. So. Uh, but really, the entire Midwest apple industry is in very good shape. There's still strong demand for locally grown, and that really gives us a good advantage over the bigger Washington State growers, for example. Now, you've expanded Ferguson's Orchards. How many orchards do you have now? And I know you're across the Mississippi. Yeah, well, so now we have six different apple orchards um, and then four of them are open to the public so we have our what i consider our main farm here in eau claire i consider it that because i live here (laughs) Um, and then uh, about an hour south in galesville is our original and then over in minnesota we have the pepin heights orchard uh, in lake city there and then our recent one just a couple months ago is minnesota harvest in jordan so that's about half an hour from the mall of america area so combined how many acres how many apple trees does that uh, does that involve how many different varieties so combined we're at about a thousand acres uh, 400 of which are apples another hundred or so in the pumpkins and sunflowers all that but uh, we grow about 400,000 apple trees, and on a good year when they all have great crops, you know, that that can add up to three to 400,000 bushels. So, As we sit here and trees all around us with beautiful red apples on them, they don't pick themselves. What do you do for help? And how much, I guess, mechanization do we have now versus the old days, or is it still a hand-intensive industry? Apples are one of the few crops that are still purely hand-picked. There are a few prototypes out there, but I think I probably told you that 10 years ago, so obviously they're not moving very quickly. I think we're seeing more mechanization is kind of in the support for the pickers, so picking platforms that brings them up closer mm-hmm. to the apples and kind of slowly moving along, um, different self-propelled machines, different kind of systems like that. But as far as like an actual robot to pick the apple that i think we're still a little ways away from i'm confident we'll see it in my lifetime but uh, for now it's all 100 percent picked by hand is it hard to find pickers are we using the h2a workers can we find local workers how reliable a market do we have for help one of the hardest things is such a short window in the fall uh, so most people don't want to v- find work and then kind of know up front well that work's going to go away in a month so we do use the h2a program a lot and we've been really happy with that what's new in the industry i know every once in a while you tell me we got uh, some new varieties do we have uh, some new hot varieties right now that we're either uh, growing experimentally or that are commercially available so Honeycrisp was the apple that kind of started the revolution of new apple varieties, and a lot of subsequent varieties were based on that with Honeycrisp as a parent genetically. Um, Honeycrisp is still a big player, and we think it will indefinitely. Um, we planted about 60,000 more Honeycrisp last year. I think what's been changing is they have new kind of slight changes in Honeycrisp varieties. So we've been planting ones that just naturally turn redder. Um, or they ripen earlier than the typical Honeycrisp or later. So we've been still really heavy into Honeycrisp. There are a few newer varieties that are not new this year, but, you know, in apple growing years, you know, a decade even is a short time frame. So Sweet Tango um, and First Kiss are both apples out of Minnesota. University of Minnesota is a pretty big apple breeding program. So we grow a lot of those on our Minnesota farms and course we still have the pizzazz that we're kind of known for here in eau claire and we're really happy about the different varieties that they have now besides university of minnesota which as you mentioned does have a nice breeding program private breeders still developing apples Uh, i know some from our area down around the galesville country over the years are we still getting some of that or is that uh, getting fewer and far between 
Yeah, there's still some of that. Um, some growers will kind of do it almost as a hobby because, mm-hmm. you know, you need to try thousands of different varieties before you really find one. A couple that we have that we're happy with are from Doug Shuffelbein down in the Holman area who you mentioned. So there is some of that. I think it is getting harder, you know, as to have the resources and infrastructure behind that kind of a trial operation. It, it does seem to make sense to have the university be heavier into that. How do you know, like a Douglas Schiefelbein, how does he know that I've got one? Now is the time, because I know he's trial and error is, is part of this industry, but how do you know that this is an apple that's going to be new and be successful? Well, I think there are kind of three different tiers, if you think of it that way. The first tier is, does it taste good? <laughs> that's like the first step. Um, if it passes that, which a lot do, it's, are they grower-friendly? Like they may taste good, but if they've cost four times as much to grow or have some kind of inherent issue with them, um, then it's not going to work out. So if it makes it through those, then the third would be just the market is, are there a hundred new varieties that year that it's just even, it might be the perfect apple, but to break through all those other ones, you know, grocery stores only have so many slots on the shelf for apples. So if one gets through all of those, then you know, you have a winner and that's, you know, Honeycrisp is obviously that, but also Pizzazz and Sweet Tango. How do you decide which varieties you want to go into? Well, it's a very long process and a big commitment for us. So we we tend to trial an apple for a couple years to make sure that we like how it grows. And it may grow perfectly somewhere else, but we want to make sure on our actual farms it does. And then after the trial, say we decide we want to grow that, it's another couple years before the nurseries can actually have enough that we can plant on a commercial scale. Then you wait another three or four years to actually have a crop. So so it's quite the process. So there is a lot of pressure in picking the right one. And again, that's Andy Ferguson out of Ferguson Orchards. And we're going to hear more from Andy. It was a long interview we did with him, but all the fun things that he and other orchards, for that matter, have going on. Uh, you've got all kinds of uh, activities out there, fun activities on the farm. Govins have it out at Menominee. Andy has it at his orchard. Other orchards have it as well. So lots of things going on. And uh, he said he's going to stay open until Christmas this year. So again, lots of time for lots of fun out at the orchards. Andy Ferguson out at Ferguson's Orchard uh, outside of Eau Claire. 5.30 in the morning. we got to get to markets. Rocky's going to join us next from over at Premier Livestock and Withy. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. It's Wednesday morning already. It's 5.30 in the morning. we got to get over to Premier Livestock and Withy. Rocky is with us. Well, did you close all the windows before you went to bed last night, Rocky? Sure did. Feels good, too, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say, 30 degrees in beautiful downtown Lublin or in the suburbs that's, of Lublin? That's what we got. Well, that's, uh, that's right on pace with everybody else around the area, but it'll warm up. Another beautiful day to go looking at cattle, but before you do that, tell us how the markets have been over at Premier this week. Uh, thank you, Bob. Uh, good morning, everyone. This uh, yesterday's uh, special dairy ca- dairy heifer auction uh, shaped up here at Premier. We sold 535 head of dairy heifers in a strong market. Most of the open heifers ranging from a dollar to a dollar thirty-five per pound. We had some real fancy elite sets of open heifers, uh, bring from uh, one thirty-six to one fifty-five. Shortbred heifers sold up to fourteen fifty. Spring and heifers sold up to eighteen fifty. Uh, Holstein breeding age heifers up to twelve. And uh, today, Wednesday, uh, we got our dairy cattle auction. We're expecting over 400 head of dairy cattle with two complete herd dispersals of parlor freestall cows. Uh, we're expecting right at 300 head of Holstein parlor freestall cows. Uh, we also have uh, many groups of reputation, fresh cows, and spring and heifers. We also have a complete heifer dispersal of uh, 75 uh, heifers, uh, going to be AI sired, uh, get all the information behind them, and they're going to be from started calves right through shortbreads. That auction starts at 11 o'clock a.m. Today, uh, well, we also have our hay auction at 9.30. Uh, don't forget, next Tuesday, that's going to be our special feeder cattle auction. We're also selling bred beef cows. That's also going to be customer appreciation day uh, next Tuesday. If you'd like to consign your cattle to that auction, give us a call. Let us know what you got coming. We'll get them listed for you. Uh, upcoming consignments, you can view that. Mark, full detailed market reports at premierlivestockandauctions.com. Any questions, call us at Premier, 715 229 
100 online bidding will be available for today's sale through Cattle USA. And just note, we do have our equipment auction, farm equipment auction coming up in November. Uh, we are accepting consignments right now. So that's the way things are shaping up, Bob. What are you going to do at Customer Appreciation Day? Well, we're going to have food. We're going to have some uh, door prizes and uh, lots of good cattle. And what day is that? That'll be next Tuesday. All right. We'll mark that on the calendar. Thank you, sir. Thank you. There he goes. That's Rocky over there at Premier Livestock in the Withy area. And we'll find out what kind of weather we're going to have for next Tuesday's Customer Appreciation Day and a whole lot more coming up on WAX. For those who work in acres, not in hours, WAX 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Not bad out there, except if you're in Florida. And let's find out about that. Mike Dandry is with us over at Skywarn 13. And, Mike, we got uh, a lot of people, or we have a lot of people around here. My English teacher would go nuts if I said, we got. <laughs> we have a lot of people around here that uh, have places in Fort Myers, Naples area. And, boy, oh, boy, I'm sure they're on their knees praying that uh, Mother Nature doesn't hit them too hard down there. But it looks nasty right now. Yeah, it's. I mean, when when that hurricane, you know, kind of stalls out over the warm Gulf waters and allows it to strengthen a little bit more before it makes landfall, I mean, that that's essentially a recipe for disaster, you know. And uh, hopefully, like you said before, uh, Mother Nature shows a little bit of mercy uh, down that way. So again, you know, if you have any uh, loved ones that are down there, of course, want to uh, want to check on them. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell me, get the H out of there. <laughs> yeah. it's not, not a good place to be. Well, around here, it's going to be a lot different than that. Calm, beautiful, beautiful weather to end September here. Absolutely. So today we're starting off a little on the cold side. Of course, uh, we do have some areas of frost and uh, we'll have mainly clear conditions to take us through the morning, kicking us off into the low 30s, but we'll warm up with that sunshine into the upper 50s later on, some places even into the low 60s. Now we got to get through another night into the upper 30s with mostly clear conditions tonight before we start to warm up. We may have a little bit of patchy frost by tomorrow morning, but more sunshine will allow us to warm up into the mid-60s once again a few clouds try to stream in tomorrow night lows dipping to the mid 40s and then even warmer temperatures in store on friday still with a good bit of sunshine into the upper 60s we'll have low 70s to take us through the weekend both on saturday and sunday with abundant sunshine and guess what more sunshine on monday with upper 60s for highs and then a few clouds start to stream in on tuesday with highs climbing mostly to the mid 60s so a little bit cooler but right now We've got quite a bit of fog, so take your time on the roadways this morning and a temperature of 31 degrees in Eau Claire. Nice and warm. Oh, yeah, 31 <laughs> degrees. It's toasty out there. Yeah, it's, uh, but it'll be a nice... Is the breeze going to blow? Wind going to blow as hard today as it did yesterday? No, and being that it's out of the northeast, actually those clouds that we had yesterday were uh, were lake effect. So uh, oh. you know, now that we have winds out of the northeast mm-hmm. and more easterly later this afternoon... Uh, not going to have as much of those clouds and certainly more calm winds. Ah, should be a nice day. Thanks, Mike. Absolutely, Bob. You have a good one. You too. Mike Dandria over at Skywarn 13. Our weather brought to you by Chippewa Valley Bean of Menominee. Chippewa Valley Bean, the world's largest kidney bean processor based in Menominee, wishes all our great Wisconsin farmers a productive and successful harvest of the 2022 crop. While you harvest, it's the perfect time to be looking ahead to next year's rotation, which could include kidney beans. Kidney beans are competitively priced and highly profitable, making them a great addition to your rotation. Have a safe harvest and call Ben at 715-664-8342 or visit them at cvbean.com to see if growing kidney beans is right for you. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. 22 minutes before 6 o'clock, again 31 degrees right now. Let's get some more news on the local level. Morgan McCarthy joins us. Got your garden all put down for the winter? It put itself down. Mother Nature put that down for us, I think. Uh, but yeah, we got to get out there and put everything to bed for the final time and look towards next year. Did you get all your tomatoes off? <laughs> you know what? I saw some brave souls hanging on yesterday. We walked down past the trench garden, and there were some little pear tomatoes right there hmm. hanging out for you. Uh, <laughs> that's where they were. I actually think they started growing with uh, the word Bob written across I'll them. It's, it's a weird variety of tomato coming through my garden this year. Well, tomatoes are tomatoes. They're <laughs> good, that's for sure. So, mm-hmm. again, if you got that stuff out there, already we lost some overnight. We'll probably lose a few more. But uh, otherwise... 
beautiful weather, but uh, is the news any good? What's going on? Well, we'll defrost some of those headlines and get into headlines from our state. Good morning. Here's what we're looking at today. Of course, following Mother Nature in the Sunshine State, but closer to us and in the Dairyland, we go to the courts. A judge hearing a case against the Waukesha parade attack suspect isn't sure the defendant knows what's going on. A judge yesterday didn't make a decision on whether Daryl Brooks Jr. can represent himself as Brooks complained several times in court that he didn't understand the charges against him sounded like this did you hear me tell you about the penalties for hit and run resulting in death i don't understand the nature and the cause of the charges but that's not my question sir so stop playing games with me right now okay He's facing six homicide counts and a slew of other charges after police say he killed six people and injured 60 others when he plowed through the parade last November. Now, prosecutors have said they don't mind if Brooks represents himself, but they won't tolerate any delays in the case. Closer to our own backyard, there's money to be spent. Where will it go? Well, the City Council of Eau Claire is moving ahead with $220 million in building and spending plans as they were around the meeting table last night to go thumbs up on the latest five-year capital improvement plan. A list of the projects? Well, you can expect some upgrades at Fairfax Pool. They'll make a splash. Also, a PFAS filter system, new squad cars on the roads, and you'll notice fire trucks in the mix as well. A full list online where you can pit stop and find that with an easy click at 715newsroom.com. Speaking of money and where it'll go, Eau Claire County wants to hear some ideas from you as to how it should spend its opioid settlement money. With the details there, we hear from John DeMaster. County supervisors last week agreed to create a commission that'll help decide how to spend the $2.6 million the county's getting as part of the National Opioid Settlement. The idea is to focus on treatment and help for people dealing with addiction. Eau Claire County hopes to get the first $300,000 from the settlement by the end of the year. I'm John DeMaster. Well, when you're trick-or-treating or maybe dipping your hand into the M&M bowl, there's a brand new color in the mix. M&M revealed the new purple candy. A chocolate company made the announcement with a video showing the purple peanut M&M joining the gang of classic characters that you probably already know, like red, yellow, green. And purple is the company's first ever female peanut M&M. Away from the candy dish and into the Happy Meals, not just for the kids anymore. If they're kicking their uh, feet in the back seat, dipping nuggets into a barbecue sauce, Guess what? It's your turn. The fast food chain announced it's partnered with Cactus Plant Flea Market, a streetwear brand. The idea is to repackage the chain's popular Happy Meal into something for an older audience. The Cactus Plant Flea Market box is presented as a Happy Meal-style package that includes one of four figurines. Each meal comes with either a Big Mac or 10-piece McNuggets, along with fries and a drink, and either a Grimace, Hamburglar, Birdie, or Cactus Buddy figurine. The Cactus Plant Flea Market box will be available starting on October 3rd. I'm Brian Shook. And we send you back to the happiest place on earth, the barn, with Bob Jill and the Midwest Farm Show on Wax 104.5. So the purple M&Ms will only be in the brown bags, not the yellow bags. No, uh, peanut M&Ms, yellow bags. Yes. Once. <laughs> I'm not going to get into it on the air. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking me down a road that I, my mind doesn't work that way, Bob. <laughs> you want to come and trick or treat? I'm not going down that road either. <laughs> you want to come and trick or treat in the newsroom? I'll keep a bag of candy okay. for you. All right, we'll yeah. do that. More right. tricks than treats when you're involved, right? <laughs> we'll see you later. <laughs> Anytime, Bob. There goes Morgan in the newsroom this morning. Yeah, enough said. We got 18 minutes before six o'clock as we uh, look at the news and markets on wax. Brought to you by Christensen Sales. Auction schedules online at ChristensenSales.com. When you've got to have an auction, you want to work with a company that knows what it's doing to help you. And that means you want to talk to Christensen Sales in Abbotsford. Call Christensen Sales in Abbotsford at 715-223-6345 if you want to have an auction. They'll line it up for you, and don't forget it, Christensen Sales in Abbotsford, they're now offering live online bidding options as well. Your complete auction facility, Christensen Sales in Abbotsford, 715-223-6345. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. 16 minutes now before 6 o'clock. 31 degrees, 58, sunny today. Not as much wind, a little fog out there. In some places, I guess, real thick fog. So do be careful. And, of course, uh, we've known how the dairy industry uh, changed in Wisconsin. And uh, saw a story about California, Jill. Share that with us, will you? Well, California produces more milk than any other state. But like Wisconsin, they're seeing their dairy industry change. 
1950, there were 20,000 dairies in California. Now they're down to 1,200, and they haven't built any new dairies in the last six to seven years. Because of issues like high real estate prices, tough environmental laws, water challenges, and labor shortages, many California dairy farmers have moved their dairies to Arizona, Texas, South Dakota, New Mexico, and Kansas. But there's no fear they they won't be continue to be the number one milk producing state as cow numbers have only gone down about one percent each year. And we have some uh, former California dairy producers that have also moved into Wisconsin. We got to catch up with some of those and talk to them about uh, their decision of uh, why they came to Wisconsin. And uh, you know, there's no place to go without challenges, but uh, they're different. You know that the environmental laws and. Uh, the uh, water shortages and things like that in California, those are, are real issues, no question about it. All right, again, 31 degrees, 58, partly sunny today. Fog out there this morning, and the market's coming up. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. It's 12 minutes before 6 o'clock, 31 chilly degrees out there. And it's time to head over to Jim Lindsay and hear what Equity Altoona sold yesterday. Choice beef steers and heifers dollar twenty to a dollar forty six. Choice dairy cross steers and heifers a dollar twenty to a dollar forty five. Yielding choice and prime Holstein steers a dollar thirty one to a dollar forty five with an extreme top of a dollar forty eight. Choice Holstein steers a dollar twenty to a dollar thirty. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers a dollar nineteen and down. Top twenty percent of the cold cows sold from seventy eight to ninety four. We had a top of ninety six. Sixty percent of the cows sold from fifty nine to seventy seven. The bottom twenty percent of the cows sold from fifty eight and down. Organic market on Tuesday, eighty percent of the organic cows sold from ninety to a dollar ten. The bottom twenty percent of the organic cows sold from eighty nine and down. Cull bulls sold from eighty five to a dollar five. We had a top of a dollar nine. Thin, full horn, and lightweight bulls all discounted. Eighty percent of the ninety-five pound and up Holstein bull calves sold from fifty to one hundred and sixty dollars per head. Light and poor quality calves sold from fifty dollars per head and down. Quality beef calves sold from one hundred to three hundred dollars per head. We had an extreme top of four hundred and five. Here are prices for fancy vaccinated feeder cattle from our last sale, which was held here on September twenty-third. Three to six hundred pound beef steers, a dollar thirty to a, to two fifty-five. Six to nine hundred pound beef steers, a dollar ten to a dollar ninety one. Six to three to six hundred pound beef heifers, a dollar twenty to a dollar seventy two. Six to nine hundred pound beef heifers, a dollar fifteen to a dollar sixty three. Three to six hundred pound Holstein steers, a dollar to a dollar seventy nine. Six to nine hundred pound Holstein steers, ninety to a dollar fifty one. Our next special feeder sale is Friday, October 7th. All feeder sales are live on Cattle USA. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Cattle USA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104. To check out our early consignments, go to the Equity Livestock Market Consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. Let's get to more markets. Heading on over to the Stratford Sale Barn, the equity barn over there. Jerry Fitzgerald is up and at him. Well, Jerry, your plant's all dead now this morning, or how cold did it get over there? Well, good morning to you, Bob. Uh, 32 degrees, so uh, we had, uh, I think we had everything pretty well moved in last evening or yesterday afternoon. The carrots are still out the garden, but that's not going to hurt them. No, they'll be. They're tough, that is for sure. Well, how's the market been going this week? Because I know a lot of guys are on their choppers. We're getting a lot of cattle in. What's going on? Well, markets are pretty steady. Uh, Phil, tell the folks about it, Bob. Thank you, and good morning, everyone. Summary from yesterday, uh, Tuesday here at Equity Stratford. First of all, we will start with the organic market yesterday. Uh, we sell organic market cattle every single Tuesday here at Equity Stratford. On the high-yielding certified organic cows yesterday, they were selling from a dollar to a dollar fifteen. Lower-yielding organics below a dollar. On the conventional cows yesterday, high-yielding uh, fleshy Holstein cows, TMR-fed fat Holstein cows, and top-quality beef cows selling from seventy-eight to. 94. Top cows this week so far at 97. Uh, most of the cows this week so far are selling between 60 and 77. Thinner cows below 60. On the bull trade this week, your better quality bulls selling from 93 to 110. Lighter bulls below 90. On the calf market so far this week, better quality Holstein bull calves 75 to 160. Topping at 190. Heifer calves mostly from uh, 25 to 55. Beef calves, uh, good market on these beef calves all week, 175 to 350 with a top on Monday at 400. 
And we are at Wednesday here. Uh, full marketing day here at Equity Stratford on Wednesday. I'll get on the way this morning with our market cattle, uh, conventional market cows. And, and we do, of course, sell most of our fed cattle today. So we'll have an update on those tomorrow. Also selling sheep, hog, and goats this morning, baby calves. Feeder cattle sale today will be a noontime start. And don't forget, one week from today here at Equity Stratford, October 5th, that will be our, uh, our special bread beef cow sale, and also we'll be selling breeding bulls. So, again, folks, we got bread beef cows, uh, bulls to, uh, for sale. Uh, you're wishing to buy, be at Equity Stratford next week, one week from today, special bread beef cow sale, noontime start. Bob, with that, we'll turn it back to you, and uh, looks like it's going to be a pretty nice fall day, but again, folks, drive careful, because there's a lot of, like Bob said, a lot of work being done, and... Uh, well, I don't know. Have you got? Uh, haven't really got too many numbers yet on corn harvest, or I don't no. think there's. A- well, look, just the corn hasn't started. It's just uh, silage is going on. About uh, I don't know, thirty, thirty-five percent of that's done. Haven't heard much for test weights yet. We'll check around and see how that's doing. But uh, choppers, school buses, uh, be careful out there. Hey, you enjoy the day, Jerry. We'll talk to you in the morning. You too, Bob. And uh, if uh, if you're still on those World Series tickets for the Brewers, I got a couple I can send you. You know, <laughs> I'll take them. I'll take them. They make good souvenirs, that's for sure. Jerry over at Stratford. And our market is brought to you by Synergy Cooperative in Ridgeland. Board of Trade down overnight. These traders are nervous about uh, interest rates, the strength of the dollar around the world. Harvest pressure, December corn this morning down four at 663, oats at 372, December wheat 871, and uh, earlier November beans were down nine at 1398, and meal for December down 230 a ton at 41130. Country elevator prices? Wheat and grain, Chippewa Falls and Connersville location, corn's at 603 with soybeans at 1328. Doomer's grain of Holman, corn's at 603 with soybeans at 1331. On the DTN screen in Arcadia, corn is 608, at Baldwin 603, the beans 138. 18, Duran 593 and 1308, Mondovi 598 and 1318, Elmwood 603 and the corn 1323 and the beans, Fall Creek 588 and 1293, and Osseo corn is 608, beans 1323, corn is also 608 at Elk Mound, the beans 1326, Sparta's corn is 659, 1319 on their soybeans, Ellsworth 583 and 1293 at the ethanol plants. Corn at Boyceville 613, Stanley 612, the Richmond Grain Facility 610. Barrel cheese down a half at 217, the blocks down a quarter at two dollars and three quarter cents. Butter up two and a quarter at 315 and a half. September class three up one, 1988. October over 21 dollars, 2129 up 47. November 2050 up 20. December 2029 up 12. And January up 15 at 2023. 31 degrees right now. We got some fog out there, but it should be a nice day. Partly sunny, about 58. Enjoy it. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report, available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed and Montovi and the Chilson family of brand dealerships, Chippewa Falls and Kadok. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.